I'm Dustin Williams, and this is Old Man Style Cards, a podcast about trading cards. I started in the hobby in 1987 and just jumped back in. I'm here to talk about junk wax and throwbacks, what's changed, and some tips and tricks to help you better understand the hobby. New to the hobby? Just jump back in? I'm here to help you. New episodes every week on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you stream podcasts. Hey, this is Dustin Williams, and you're listening to Episode 6 of Junk Wax and Throwbacks. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the Raleigh Card Show that I attended last weekend. We'll talk about PSA and the cover-up that they did recently uh, with one of my favorite shows called Chasing Cardboard. They lost Ty's card, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that uh, situation with PSA that does card grading. And then also we'll end with a fun topic and my most favorite topic, which are wax boxes. So stay with me. We got a fun show that we're going to do today. So let's go ahead and kick it off with the Raleigh Card Show that I attended last weekend. Uh, we actually got to attend this show on Friday afternoon and also went Sunday around lunchtime to about three o'clock. So hit the card show up. I chose to go a second day to the card show because I actually have never been on a Sunday. So I wanted to see the crowd, see if there's any deals happening since the show was closing around like four o'clock or something that day. So I wanted to see if there was any deals to be had and just kind of get a vibe of what's going on with our local card shows here in Raleigh, North Carolina. So shout out to everyone that helped set up and be a vendor at that show. It was a pretty good show. Uh, about I think it was about 300 uh, tables, maybe maybe closer to 250, but a good a good size show, especially for, for our area. And it was all cards and comics at this show. And so thanks for everybody that did set up out there. And I uh, met some, some fun folks, some new folks out there. And uh, also some local people um, that I could be buying some wax boxes from um, and some cards as well. So always good when you go to card shows uh, is just to make relationships with people and uh, just kind of fill it out. Walk around, see what you see, uh, kind of take your time, see, see who's willing to talk to you. Again, I, I mentioned this in a previous podcast uh, I've, I go to card shows and, and sometimes I'll say hello to the person and they, it looks like I bother them when I say hello to them or I'll say hello and they barely say anything back and don't really feel the excitement, uh, back. And so I don't always want to do business with people that do not speak back or seem like they are interested in wanting to be there. And so, um, hopefully people will figure it out as you're a vendor and you make your sales at card shows that, uh, being nice, having good customer service, um, and having conversation with people uh, goes a long way. So go figure. That's uh, your 2022 uh, tip of the year is relationships matter. So go figure with that. But anyways, um, I digress with my get off the lawn segment. But um, Raleigh Card Show was good. A lot of people ask me, you know, you know, why do you go to those card shows? What we you know, what what do you get the most out of? For me, again, I'm the average collector, and so what I get out of those card shows is I go and I'm looking for wax boxes, and so um, I can find a box. Like currently, I'm looking for like just right off the top of my head, I'm looking for a 1992 Fleer Ultra Series Two box. Is the box rare? No. Um, is it hard to find? No. But 
I don't like paying for a box that probably costs about $15 to $20 and then pay another $10 to $12 for shipping. So a lot of times I'll just scope out these card shows and see who's got the wax boxes I'm looking for. I've started to make a little list on my phone in the notes section of boxes that I need to get, boxes I'm looking for, and I also put kind of like a price value on what the last time those boxes were going for um, on eBay without the shipping. Um, and I saw some folks wanting to move some of those stuff. I did see some folks that were kind of holding tight and not willing to go too much more than $5 less on the box. And so to each is their own. Um, but again, these boxes aren't rare. They're everywhere. And so I'm not, I'm not in a hurry um, to buy either. Um, because like, like most of you, as you know, money's tight. So you just can't just throw your money everywhere, uh, without having some negotiation around it. So, um, never, never feel guilty about negotiating for a box. Even if it's a $30 box and you're trying to get it for 25, you know, you buy multiple things, everything, everything matters. And I know that people are trying to make money, but at the same time, if you want to move product, sometimes you do have to sell it at a discount. So anyways, I, um, yeah, so I was buying some boxes there at the card show. Got a couple of good things on Friday. Uh, you have to follow my Instagram page, Old Man Style Cards, on Instagram. Again, that tag is give it a follow on Instagram, Old Man Style Cards. And you can see um, pretty much I'm slowly going through uh, all these boxes I bought. I, I bought a lot, <laughs> a lot of wax boxes, you guys. Uh, with Christmas coming up, this is a big part of my Christmas is uh, collecting a ton of wax boxes. And so you're going to see a fun little road uh, started with 1990, 1990 Bowman and making my way through right now. Went through 91 Upper Deck. Uh, and so just look at my Instagram. Pretty much a box is released and hits from that box. Uh, pretty much uh, a box every one or two days on my Instagram page. So if you love that stuff, check that out. But we'll talk about wax boxes here in a second. But yeah, overall, when I go to a card show, sometimes like I'll buy a card if I see one. And these are cheaper cards. Again, I'm the average collector. So if I see a card for $10, I may negotiate that down to seven, five, see if I could get two for 10. Because um, a lot of stuff I'm buying, again, is not rare. This is junk wax. Um, and that's not a negative, by the way. I've heard some folks talk about, you know, the, the connotation of junk wax. Whenever I say junk wax, that's not negative. That's my that's my time period and your time period of collecting cards in the 80s and 90s. So it, it's it's a it's a fun term that I use, not a negative. But yeah, I'm just an average collector. So I'm looking at cards, $5, $10, maybe a $20 card, maybe a $30 card. Uh, bought an 89 Don Russ uh, King Griffey Jr. rookie card at the last show. And got it for like $25 um, in a PSA 9. And so I'm looking, you know, for cards like that. No no $300 hits for me. No $3,000 hits. No $10,000 hits. And none of that YouTube stuff of I've got $50,000 to spend. Let's see what I do with it. Because uh, nobody's paying me to do that. And that really doesn't get out your... Um, in my opinion, uh, it's just, I, I get tired of seeing that stuff, to be honest with you on YouTube, because it's, yeah, it's fun to watch, but it's not realistic. And so, uh, maybe I'll just have somebody follow me around and see how I can stretch $10 and how many cards I can get with $10 or how many wax boxes I can get with a hundred dollars. Um, that might be a fun show. So stay tuned for that. It might, it might do that as you follow me around and you watch me nickel and dime, and negotiate five dollars to two dollars, or ten dollars to five, or whatever. So, um, just have a good time walking around the Raleigh Card Show. Have a good buddy named Nate. 
Um, Nate Cooper, shout out to Nate Cooper. He sells Funko Pops out there. Good, good dude. Uh, sells carbs as well. Um, he's out a lot of those shows. Got to catch up with him. Got to catch up with a buddy named Kurt Turdo out there. He sells a lot of vintage cards. He's finally getting some cards graded. He's a good dude. Um, met some other fun folks out there. Um, met a couple that is from the Raleigh area and they sell a whole bunch of wax cards. Uh, met a gentleman from, uh, from Fuquay. Um, around my neck of the woods, and he sells uh, wax boxes too. Um, uh, so yeah, met a, met a lot of different people out there, and so I just kind of talk to those people and uh, see what they're up to, see what they're selling, see if they're going to be about another show, um, see if they can find a box for me. Sometimes they may not have it, but they can locate it. So I just had a good time out there at that card show, and so I believe the next card show is a. Uh, First weekend of January, January 7th and 8th, I believe, uh, out in Raleigh. There'll be another card show, and I think that's a toy card and comic show out there in Raleigh. Um, so love to see you. If you ever go out to card shows, um, come out there. I'll probably be at that card show on a Saturday morning, usually when I go from like 9 to 12. So more details to come as we get closer to that. But love to see you at a Raleigh, North Carolina card show. Um, I'm usually out there, like I said, doing what I'm doing and doing my negotiating and my high-dollar stuff. As I say, those $10 deals, you want to follow me around. It's pretty fun, though, actually. Um, kind of makes people nervous sometimes when I negotiate, but I always tell people you you, you got to negotiate. You got to you gotta see what you got to get and make that money stretch. So, yep, that's the Raleigh Card Show. So, uh, second topic that we're going to go over with the podcast today is uh, one of my favorite shows. I don't know if you've seen Chasing Cardboard. Um, just, uh, just put that into your YouTube search. Um, this guy named Ty with Bench Clear Media. Um, he he basically runs a show, um, has a cameras following them around, and they run a show called Chasing Cardboard. And it's it's literally that they go across the country, uh, going and looking at collections and uh, basically buying those collections. And they may co co sign that collection. Uh, they might buy it straight outright. But yeah, check out Chasing Cardboard with Ty. Um, that is an awesome um, show and really cool show about the hobby of cards and collecting um, and really good dude. And probably why I'm, I'm featuring this topic today on the podcast because I actually reached out to Ty before when I saw a dude trying to sell a whole, a whole bunch of cards in Tennessee. And I reached out to this dude and I said, hey, you should reach out to Ty and see if he wants to buy it from you. Um, and so I've, I've, I've chatted with him on, on Instagram before and, um, good dude and, um, good show. And so hate seeing stuff like this. And so, you know, me, uh, when I've been doing these podcasts and you're going to see as I go through these episodes week by week, uh, it's not always negative. Um, and it's not always going to be positive, but you, but you need to hear these stories. And I share this with somebody and they had no idea. And so I want to bring it to light, um, so let's start with this. Uh, PSA is uh, the number one grading card company in the world. And the reason why they have the number one is they, they grade the most cards and they have the most resale for their cards. And so um, like Ty's counterpart at BenchClear Media, uh, we like he said in his video, we basically did it to ourselves. And that is so spot on because you can have a PSA 9 uh, on a table and have a SGC nine on a table, and the PSA nine is going to sell for about ten dollars to fifteen dollars more than the SGC nine. Same card, give or take, same grade, and just because it has the PSA label on it, it's going to sell more. 
try to explain that to the average collector like myself or a new collector and they'll look at you like you have eight heads <laughs> and say, Dustin, it is the same card. Why does it cost more? And I just equate it to fashion. Um, you could have a Nike hoodie cost, cost $80 and you could have the Adidas hoodie that costs $50. Same hoodie, different logo. Um, a little bit of difference in this comparison that I'm doing though is sometimes that quality could be different, but really clothing is like cards. There's not a huge difference. You're paying for the logo. Just like in card grading, you're paying for the name PSA. That's what people are doing. So like, um, Todd's counterpart at BenchClear Media said, we did it to ourselves. And so with this story, um, uh, Ty from, uh, Chasing Cardboard, um, about a month ago had sent out a card and he actually did a video about this of him trying to call into PSA customer service because he had sent in a card to be graded. Um, the card came back, but it wasn't, it was the same player, but it was a different card that he sent in and a whole different, a whole different card came back to his house and he wanted to tell PSA, Hey, where's my card? I've got the wrong card. How do we, we you know, what's going on here? He could not get into PSA customer service. He tried day after day, and even you had to get into a call queue. And if you couldn't get into the call queue at a certain time, you were done for the day. You had to wait till the next day to get in to their call queue. So just a little side note, if you're looking to send cards to PSA, be, be mindful of if you send a card in, you might if they mess up, you may have to wait a while um, just to even talk to somebody. Um, not a huge fan of that. Just learned that by watching his YouTube channel and just more things you learn as the average collector that just because they're the big dog in the car grading game doesn't mean they got the best customer service or in this case, do they have any customer service? And that's what, I, that's what I'm questioning and that's why we're talking about this. So Ty was, had a video that he was trying to find his card. I actually forgot about this whole situation um, and then it, it resurfaced on my timeline and it was Ty talking about, um, PSA had lost his card and it was kind of like more to the story. So I watched the video and I'm like, to be sure, you know, they made it right with this guy because Ty is a little bit different than some of us. I mean, he's, he's a collector, but he runs a pretty successful YouTube, YouTube channel. He's, he, he's definitely been sending cards into PSA for for a while and multiple cards. You think that they would treat him right? Well, they didn't. And uh, PSA basically, uh, God reached out to him from PSA and said, "Hey, you know, I think they reached out on social and said, hey, Ty, we're gonna make this right. Sorry to hear this happen.'" You know, he thought that they were going to make it right. Uh, they didn't. Then he then he talks to PSA, and PSA's like, hey, give us the card back <laughs> that we sent you, and then we can move forward with um, how to make this right. And the whole time, Ty's like, this is my... <laughs> Like, you sent me the wrong card. Like, this isn't my mistake. And this is what happens, I feel like, with a lot of times companies will turn it back on the consumer and all of a sudden they, they kind of try to fatigue you a little bit. And when I say fatigue you, um, they try to wear you down with, okay, this guy really wants money or wants his money back. Um, we're going to make him work for it. And what a, what a crappy way to do customer service everybody is to fatigue someone and to wear them down because most people do give up and shout out to ty and any other consumer out there that's like you know what i'm not giving up 
this is your mistake and you're going to make it right. And so he sent the card that they sent by accident back to PSA. So given this whole time, everybody, this is like week two of negotiation. Then week three, then PSA finally gets the card back and says, okay, Ty, um, we've got this card valued at uh, PSA 9 at 400. He's like, wait, how is it? PS, where did you get the nine from? And then PSA says, "Okay, well, you know, like you're you're right. We need to we need to talk to somebody about this." So then he waits more days, and probably another week passes by. This whole situation, you guys, goes from a mistake and multiple phone calls to a whole month of back and forth, four weeks. And and I've dealt with some companies. I've dealt with a company before, and it went on for three months. So good news for him. At least he only had to do four weeks. But when you say only four weeks to the top card grading company that lost your card and gave you another card, and then he took the time to send that card back, and they're not willing to give him full asking, the good news is they were going to give him money, so they met him, in the mid- met him at the middle from a PSA 9 to a PSA 10, and they met him in the middle at $700. And so Ty was like, okay, you know, that's fair. And, you know, even here in the story, I'm like, okay, finally, finally PSA is going to make this right. Well, another twist happens, and PSA sends him a letter, and it says, we'll give you the $700. And, of course, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm prefacing this. This isn't word for word. Um, but they basically said, we'll give you the $700 back. Um, if you uh, do not go on your YouTube channel and talk about this anymore. Um, and then we also want to know what, you know, like if you do post, we want to see the content you're posting. So basically they're telling him what he can and cannot post on his own social media page, everybody. In 2022, PSA, the top car grading company, is telling, them, telling him that he cannot talk about this anymore if he wants to get his own money back, everybody, his own money back. Um, and so Ty, props to him, which is why I'm shouting shouting this out and making this known on the podcast. Shout out to him for him saying no. I'm not signing this letter. And he stood up to he stood up to them and said no. So that's where it landed. Um, and then he did another follow up video. And 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 some people have questioned, you know, why would you send cards back to him? And, you know, he had a good response. You know, PSA, there's certain cards you want to get graded at PSA. There's certain cards you want to get graded at SGC and Beckett and the rest of these companies. But at the same time, you know, as I think about this, everybody can make their own decisions. That's, that's, what, that's what you're allowed to do as a consumer. But I'll tell you something. PSA better wake up and know that, like, if people speak out about this, like, you're not the only card grader in town. And hopefully us as consumers and me speaking as the average collector, you know, enough people can stand up to this and and, and stop this 10 to $15 discrepancy between the companies. If that stopped, I guarantee you PSA would be doing a lot more customer service and trying to make it right. But right now, like I mentioned earlier, we did this to ourselves, everybody. And PSA knows that they're the top dog. And unfortunately, if you look in this scenario, dealing with someone that's not even like an average Joe type person, a person that's done a lot of business with them, has a successful YouTube and social media following, they still treated him like crap. And I'm sorry, but that's where my that's where for me as uh, average collector says, you know what? I don't want to grade with PSA. I don't want to send cards there. 
And so that's kind of how I feel at the moment until they make it right. Maybe PSA will release a video about this or maybe talk about uh, improvements to their customer service. But what a bunch of garbage that a car grading company would treat someone like that. And I'm sure they probably treated other people that way. But let, let me be clear by saying, yes, I know that PSA will make mistakes and SGC and any other car grading company is going to make mistakes. But guess what? You make it right. And if you make a mistake, you make it right and you help the person. And that's all Ty wanted. That's all that anybody wants, everybody. In any situation, if someone makes a mistake, you just want them to make it right and feel listened to. And I don't think Ty feels listened to. And he wasn't listened to. So point blank, check this story out. Look at look at it online. Look at it on YouTube. Judge for yourself. And I'm telling you guys, this hobby needs a massive cleanup. And I've already seen it with my own eyes after a year of doing this now. Just, just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So enough negativity, but you need to hear these things. And I will share these with you. Like I said, the goal is to help you the average collector or just the, the hobbyist and card fan that you are. Last topic of the day, wax boxes. Y'all know I love a good wax box. If you don't, check out my Instagram again, Old Man Style Cards on Instagram. I love, I love, I love, love uh, wax boxes. Uh, I, need to cl- I need to get a good count. I'm probably over <laughs> 40, probably at 40 wax boxes right now that I've opened uh, in, in a year. And so pretty high number. A lot of this stuff is uh, cheaper stuff. My Holy Grail items that I have right now, top three junk wax boxes that I'm looking to get starting at number three would be, uh, 1990 leaf series two with the Frank Thomas rookie card. That was my favorite card of all time. How cool would it be to pull a fresh one out of a pack? So that is number three. Uh, number two on my list currently right now is 1989 Upper Deck Low Series first, then the High Series next, but I want to pull the King Griffey Jr. Uh, card fresh from a pack. I know I can buy a, a raw card or a graded card anywhere, but I want to pull one of those out of a pack. And the one that I had number one on my list and very pricey, is I want the Scoring Kings, Michael Jordan, 1993 Flair Ultra Basketball. A little nervous about that product after opening a 1994 Upper Deck Collector's Choice Box this week. Any of those glossy cards, like 93, 94, man, they are sticking like crazy. So possibility of some bricking in a 1993, 1994 Flair Ultra Box. But the Series 1 box, I want really bad. And that is uh, my current top three wax boxes that I'm looking to buy hopefully in the next year. So stay tuned as I try to knock off some of my high-end Holy Grail boxes. But the typical box that I buy is 1991 Bowman. 1990 hoops, 1990 skybox, or 1988 tops. Like I'm buying boxes that generally are like twenty dollars, twenty five, occasionally thirty, or a forty dollar box. But uh, if you're looking to collect or looking to kind of mimic or go down the road, uh, and I would say be careful if you go down this rabbit hole that I'm in because it is it is it is addicting. Um, you can get a lot of this stuff, you guys, anywhere between $20 and $40 if you want to. And pace yourself and buy the boxes you want and take your time. But I, I have a lot of fun. And so let's well, give you a little insight into my style and how I do this. 
So what I do is I get a wax box, uh, bring it back to my house. Like I said, I love to buy in person to avoid the shipping. Then I'll take that box to my house and I will first uh, get, I have like this great, um, this uh, microfiber towel that I, I drive my car with. I put it over my dining dining room table. Then I put my box out, take the wrapper off, take a picture of the front of the box. Then I take it to my kitchen. I open the box up um, that's showing the packs and I take a picture of the box on my kitchen countertop so you can see the box with the packs and what it would look like if it was at a card store. Then I take the box to my microfiber towel and I, I take my camera, my iPhone camera, and I, I hover it over the top of the box and let you get a good picture of what the packs look overhead. Um, and so those are the photos I take prior. Then I sit down and I got my sleeves and top loaders ready. And uh, uh, they usually the first pack right now, I open real slowly and I keep that pack in great condition and put it off to the side and go through the card slowly, pulling out the good cards. If it's a really good card, I'll top load it. Uh, I'll top load the card and someone goes, what's worthy of a top loader card? Anytime I pull a Frank Thomas, King Griffey Jr., Michael Jordan, that's an automatic top loader. Um, right now, some another automatic top loaders are like Nolan Ryan uh, is another one, Barry Bonds. But it depends on the year. It depends on the set and what's going on. Whatever insert it is, it's going to make it into a top loader. If it's a good player, um, I don't care what the price is. I pretty much sleeve everything and get it over to a box uh, of cards that I have uh, organized by player at some point. So I slowly go through those. Uh, cards and uh, I don't do any photos during that time. I just have fun enjoying it. Sometimes I've done box uh, openings. I did I did like two or three and they're on my YouTube page um, at Old Man Style Cards on my YouTube page. I don't really do a lot of videos. I feel like um, I get so excited it takes me away from enjoying opening the box. So maybe as I open more, I'll, I'll do some more live streams of that. But right now I just enjoy that that time for about 30, 40 minutes of this diving in and opening a pack like I'm a little 10 or 11 year old again and I open up all those cards and then I usually keep two of the packs uh indie pack wrappers and I will put those back into the wax box and then close it back um the cards that I don't use I've donated to a local YMCA I've donated to thrift stores and also given away to some folks that do want those cards and so um, that's kind of the process with a wax box. I know, I know it sounds crazy, but, um, basically what I do with that box after I'm done, it's empty. Um, currently in my, uh, closet that I share with my wife. So shout out to my wife for letting me use our closet for this right now until I can find a better space is I put them uh, inside my closet and I kind of stack them up and make a cool little shelf of boxes of all my wax stuff that I have. And so, um, all my 40 boxes sit there and they're nicely organized and it's going to make a killer man cave because um, I'm going to basically have this like mini card shop in my man cave of all these boxes that I've opened. And so, yeah, that's the wax box hobby um, that I have. I'm on the journey to collect every single one of these boxes, everybody, uh, from about 1987 to 1994. But I'm sure I'll add in some few a few more years in between. I really like the 1986 Fleer and Don Russ really like those. And so who knows what I'll throw in. Uh, maybe throw in some 96, 97, or 98 stuff. Uh, but that's like thousands of dollars, by the way. 
But yeah, love wax boxes. You'll see me take photos. And, and yeah, like I said, check out the collection I've got going online. Um, and then when I'm done, I organize the cards, usually by the top 12 or top 16 cards. And I'll say, here are the hits. And I'll lay them out on my uh, towel that I have on the table and take an overhead shot and put those on Instagram for you to see. Um, and that way you can tell me what your favorite one is. You could go down memory lane. If you didn't want to buy a box like I did, you just want to live through my journey, you can do that too. And that's what's fun about the page I do. Um, so yeah, that's, about, that's, that's the topics today. So hope you had a good time listening. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode. I've been saying this over and over. I'm going to do this um, right now. Um, I'm going to see if how I can get my podcast over to Apple Music and you can stream it there because I've heard a few folks say I don't have Spotify, but I would listen if it's on Apple. So working my way there, but you guys have a great rest of this week and thanks for listening. Have a great day.